Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the Full 40 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. We will dive into the odds to win the Stanley Cup, the odds to win a bunch of awards, and where Nashville and its players are in all of those conversations because now they are featured very prominently have all, as all of that has changed according to Vegas. We will dive into that a little bit later on. Of course, we've got no games basically between now and next week's episode uh, when we will come out because it's the all-star break. So we don't have a ton of games to preview. Uh, we'll take a look at some fancy stats, celebrate UC Saros's 100th win and Philip Forsberg's 200th goal. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to look at from a team statistics standpoint uh, based on, on where this team is at now with 60 points after losing to Edmonton and beating Vancouver. So we'll, we'll dive into all of that. Uh, first, you're going to have a message for the great and wonderful folks out there. We've got some programming news to get to here at the start of the shows. But before we do that, Adam, we do have to remind folks that the Gold Standards is, in fact, brought to you by... Is it still Jaspers? It is. It is, Adam. They haven't, uh, they haven't uh, regretted any of my terrible ad reads? No, no. No, um, they're, quite, they're, they're quite pleased with it. And so far, you, you know, Jasper's is rock and rolling. Parking is free. It's a fantastic place to watch Nashville Predators hockey, hockey games next week when that happens. Um, of course, you got the All-Star game this weekend and all the skill stuff. So you can watch that there uh, during Preds games, all of them home and road. You get great drink and beers and burger specials, $3 domestics, $10 smash burger. Um, as I mentioned, the parking is free. It's a great place to watch the game. And there's a cocktail named after us. The gold standard, which is basically the crowning achievement of my life, Adam. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, gold standard cocktail at Jasper's. Go check it out. Uh, all right. So we'll get to a lot of stuff. All-star game, UC Saros, Philip Forsberg, all that stuff. However, uh, we do have a programming note, and you sort of tweeted about this uh, a little bit. So if people follow you on the Twitters at Adam Vinkin, pay for good journalism at The Athletic, people sort of know what's coming here. And I just wanted to give you a chance to you know, break the news to our audience and, and speak to the wonderful gold standard folks who are out there rating, reviewing, and subscribing on a regular basis to us. Uh, I thought I'd give you the chance to talk to them. The floor is yours, my friend. All right, then. So on Friday morning, I have to imagine that many of our listeners already saw this, but on Friday morning, I tweeted that um, I am taking uh, the remainder of my uh, paid parental leave. You know, as we have discussed on the show, before, uh, my, my company uh, is incredibly generous uh, with the amount of time uh, that they offer new parents uh, to spend time with their children. Um, I took five weeks, as most of you recall, um, in, the, in the summertime after Arlo was born. Um, my intention uh, was to take the other seven weeks um, after the season, but circumstances changed um, at home. And uh, as of uh, Monday, uh, two days ago, as we record this, I am on leave. Uh, this is the last piece of Predators content that I will produce uh, for, I guess, six weeks, uh, because I will return to the podcast March 16th, uh, my first day back as a reporter, I guess you could say, um, is March 21st. Um, in the interim, uh, our, our good friend, Jeremy K. Gover, uh, will be sitting in for me for the next four to five episodes. Uh, Jeremy uh, filled in for me during the first part of my leave. Uh, he did an excellent job. As you all know, the K in Jeremy K. Gover stands for knowledgeable. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, you'll, you'll be in, in very good hands. Um, I just thought uh, that based on the circumstances of the home, um, to peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh, my wife went back to work last week for the first time uh, since my son was born, our son was born. Um, and it's also a new job. So she did not return to her old job. Um, so it, it seemed like a, a good time for me uh, to step away. And it, admittedly, uh, I was also uh, suffering from a bit of burnout um, in in relating in, in relation to all of the things that were happening at home, as well as the um, the, uh, the 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 uh, I guess you could say restriction in access. Um, mm -hmm. Shortly, shortly, um, well, not shortly after the predators had their COVID nineteen outbreak right around Christmas, as 
all of you recall. Uh, the Predators went back to an all-Zoom format. Uh, not fun at all. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, there was just, it was a confluence of factors. Uh, but, you know, it was decided that, you know, the best thing for me and my family right now uh, was to take a break. Uh, so you know, I will, of course, be on this episode. Uh, and then you will not hear from me um, on the gold standard until March 16th. You know, this was a complete coincidence, but seven weeks from Monday is March 21st, which is the NHL trade deadline. That was completely coincidental. I, I did not plan that out, uh, but it does it does come as a good time uh, to, to get back into things. So, you know, I, I will not be in attendance at Pecorine's uh, retirement ceremony. I will not be in attendance at the outdoor game uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, my colleague, and dear friend Joe Rexroad uh, will be pitching in. Um, if you're listening to this on Thursday, which of course you are, uh, he does have a column up on Wednesday, uh, the latest Philip Forsberg related column that we're all writing. Um, <laughs> Gentry Estes also recently wrote one for the Tennessean. So we're all, we're all writing about Philip Forsberg right now. Um, and he will be filling in for me. Um, and again, just like with Jeremy, he'll be in capable hands with Joe. Um, so yes, so it, it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm hoping to as hard as, I mean, it's easier said than done, but you know, I'm, I'm actually going to try to unplug, um, like I said, much easier said than done, um, to, to give just to, we're going to, we're going to touch on, or more specifically, Braden is going to touch on, uh, the game against the Vancouver Canucks because I'm on leave. I will admit I did not watch last night's game or Tuesday's game. Um, I know that they won. I know that Phillips Forsberg scored twice. Um, I'm also aware that they lost in a shootout to Edmonton last week. I, I watched a little bit of that game, but not a lot of it. Um, so I'll do my best to, uh, to be a passenger on that section of the conversation. Um, I do have some interesting stats we can talk about based off the results of last night's game. Uh, but yeah, so the, uh, so this will be the last time you hear from me on this show for about six weeks. There you have it. Jeremy K. Gover filling in and you will return for the trade deadline and the postseason run. So take care of yourself, take care of your family. We, we wish you all of the best. It's not like I'm not going to be able to reach out and talk to you. So, um, we'll be around and, and I, I might use you as a source though. You know, like if, if during the, during your time off, I need to, to, to find some, you know, alt rock commentary uh, i'll reach out to you to find some late 90s uh metal you know whatever you call it if, you, if i need to duke basketball information i'll reach out to you so i will be bothering you adam over the course of the month now in in the meantime i would like to set some benchmarks here so that when you do return we can see how good you are at this okay can i ask you a few questions about what life in nashville predators land will be like when you return on that march 16th episode sure will Ph philip forsberg be on the team on march 16th Yes. Oh, okay. So if he in fact is traded, it goes all the way up to that deadline is what you're saying. Uh, I remain very skeptical uh, <laughs> that he will be traded. Uh, I, I, I do as well. Uh, although I do disagree with the headline on Joe Rexroad's article. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, will he be the Nashville Predators all-time leading goal scorer at that time? He needs, I believe, nine to break David Legwand's record after two against Vancouver on Tuesday evening in the 4-2 win. He now has 201. Will he have 211 by the time we talk to you? Or 202. Yes. I don't know where he's at now. He's at 202. Yeah, there you go. After scoring twice against Vancouver. So he needs nine, as you said, to surpass David Legwand. Yes, he will be the franchise's all-time leading goal scorer on March 16th. Well, there are, you will miss 14 games. So over the course of the next 14 games, he'll score nine goals. Of course, he could do that in five games. He could do that in 50 games. We just don't know sometimes with Philip Forsberg, but the way he's going right now, I tend to agree. Will he break Victor Arvidsson's record before you come back? The single season all-time Preds record is 34 goals in a regular season. And where is he now? How many does uh, he have? I believe he's at 24. So he would need 11. There you go. Um, over the court. I will say no. 
I will say that he will break David Legwan's record, but he will still be short of Victor Arvidsson's when I get back. Okay. I think that's probably smart. Um, the Predators right now are second in the standings in total points, of course. They have Minnesota has a ton of games left in hand, and Colorado has a few as well. They're 28, 14, and four. They'll play 14 games. Where are the Nashville Predators in the standings when you come back on March 16th? I will say that they are in third place in the Central Division uh, when I return based on the games in hand that the other teams have. I I don't have the standings in front of me. Um, You might uh, to tell me how many games in hand. I believe it's Uh, six for Minnesota. I am looking right now. So Minnesota has six games in hand. They are three points back with six games in hand. St. Louis is three points back with two games in hand. Uh, so I will say that they will remain in front of St. Louis, but they will fall behind Minnesota based on the number of games. So I will say that Colorado, which is running away yep. uh, with the central division, um, will remain in first place. Minnesota will be in second. Nashville will be in third on that date. Okay, I can get on board with that. Uh, yeah, winning 10 consecutive games and winning 15 out of 16 will do that for a team, um, which is what Colorado I do think it's interesting, though, however, that I believe they had won 18 consecutive home games or something like that, and they lost in a shootout to, of all teams, Arizona <laughs> on Tuesday. That's the beauty of hockey, man. That's the beauty of hockey. Will the stadium series be considered a resounding success? Well, what what am I what are my uh, parameters for for a success? Are we talking about do the Predators you, win? You all things considered, attendance, how the game is executed, how it's visually, aesthetically pleasing for the television viewing audience nationally. Do the Predators win? Take it all into consideration. It is intentionally vague. Is it considered a success when we wake up the day after? Are we all saying, man, that that worked? That was great. The one thing I will say is that after seeing the stadium series uniforms on the ice, that all of the Predators fans who said that it was the worst jersey in the history of hockey in all, at all levels will, <laughs> will change their tune. Because when we discussed that, when it was unveiled, we, all, we both said that one, stadium series jerseys tend to be loud. You know, if just look at the history of the uniforms and two, oftentimes when you see a uniform, they look a lot worse when it's just some schlub wearing it, you know, versus the team on the ice with the helmets, with the pads, everything like that. Um, the Predators did. I, I did see on on social media the other day they did put out um, some practice footage. I think UC Saros was wearing his stadium series garb. He had all blue pads. I also found they were wearing their their pants and there was a huge Predators logo, the Pred head on on the jersey. I mean, excuse me, on the pants, which I you know, yeah. thought was a little odd. Um, but you're ducking the I, question, Adam. I, I'm thinking I think I, I think that it will be I, I, I think it will be a success for those who attend the game in person. I'm okay. going to say the weather will cooperate. I say we'll get an entertaining game. I'm not going, I'm not sure if they'll win, but I know that it will be an entertaining game. The one I I do think, however, that the ratings for said game will be poor. Um, That's a good prediction. That's a good prediction. Based on um, the history of of said events when involving quote unquote non traditional teams. Um, Remember how much fun we had. Um, those of us who attended uh, the state, excuse me, the winter classic o- outcome of the game, notwithstanding, but it was a great atmosphere. It was cool to be at the Cotton Bowl to see two teams in the southern United States play outside 86,000 plus people in the stadium. It was great if you were there. If I recall correctly, it was perhaps the worst, least watched winter classic of all time, or at least one of the least watched winter classics of all time. Um, so I'm not sure how stadium series, uh, ratings are in the history. That's more of your purview as the, (laughs) as the ratings King. Um, but I will say that when the, when the ratings are unveiled for this game, it will be one of the lowest rated stadium series games in NHL history. I, I tend to agree with almost all of that. Um, 
I, I need to see the uniforms before I start going back on me thinking that using a marketing term is the right thing to put on your on your sweater. But I agree. I think in person, people will have an absolute blast. The tailgate, the buildup, the events, the game. I actually don't think the outcomes of these games matter at all. I, I do not like stadium series, winter classic, whatever, like the outcomes in an 82 game season. If this was an NFL thing, maybe it would matter because every single game matters that much. But I just don't think the outcome is even a part of how I would evaluate how the event went off per se. But I agree with you. Nissan Stadium isn't a particularly, you know, charming or historic venue. And I think two Southern teams in, in a one in a small market like Nashville, I don't think it's going to draw particularly well nationally. So I, I tend to agree with all of that. Um, I will, I do want to interject because I did find a story um, from Sports Media Watch about the 2020 Stadium Series game at the Air Force Academy. Uh, which was uh, the Los Angeles Kings versus the Colorado Avalanche. So this was two years ago. Saturday's Kings Avalanche NHL Stadium Series game averaged a 0.6 rating and 1.00 million. So I guess just 1 million viewers on NBC, marking the least watched outdoor game ever on the network. The previous low was 1.08 million for the 2017 Red Wings Maple Leaf Centennial Classic. Across all networks, it ranks as the seventh least watched outdoor game since the debut of the Winter Classic in 2008. It was also the lowest rated and least watched NHL game ever on primetime broadcast television. (laughs) Um, So it says Los Angeles' win sank 45% in ratings and 48% in viewership from last year's Stadium Series game, which was Penguins and Flyers, and a tick it says in the tick and 9% respectively from the 2008 edition. But what you have to take from that is that that game two years ago was the lowest rated and least watched NHL game ever on primetime broadcast television. Now, of course this game is <laughs> not going to be on NBC. I think it's on TNT, yeah. but 0.6 rating for Kings avalanche. I will say that the predators lightning game will have a lower rating than 0.6. I think that's a high or low bar to clear, but I think they might be able to do it. Um, All right. Last one here for you before we talk actual Preds hockey here. Um, Will you cry in your living room holding your son while watching the Pecorino game? Now, to be honest, I may not watch it. No, no, you're required to in this question. Okay. Will I cry? No. I will admit, however, that I did get a bit verklempt when he did his little victory lap at the end of yeah. last regular season. Yeah. That was a very organic thing, though. Um, this, you know, we've already we've recently seen two um, jersey retirements. Henrik Lundqvist just had his jersey retired by the New York Rangers. Sergei Zubov just had his jersey retired by the Dallas Stars. You know, those are much more manufactured events. So I will say that no, if I do watch it, I do not plan on crying. Arlo, however, is a baby, so he <laughs> may so he may cry for completely unrelated reasons. While at, at the same time, if, it won't be because of it. If Pecorine is crying while holding his son, and you're holding your son, watching Pecorine cry holding his son, is there a chance you then cry? No. Okay, fine. All right. I, for, I forgot that you're dead inside. I forgot. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So I, I, wanted to, I wanted to set some benchmarks. Yes, Forsberg will be, will be on the team. Yes, he'll be the Preds' all-time leading goal scorer. No, he will not have the single-season record. The Predators will be third. Um, you heard the success story of the stadium series. And, of course, Adam will not cry at the Pekka Rene jersey uh, number retirement uh, at Bridgestone Arena coming up here in a couple of weeks. Okay. We're going to talk a lot of odds, Stanley Cup odds, perception of this team how it's changed uh we got odds now on on a lot of these individual awards for both john hines uc saros tanner Janot, and roman yossi for those four awards respectively um you you just you mentioned it already you kind of alluded to it three two loss to edmonton in overtime on thursday they then get four days off they tr- they had a travel day on friday they had a day off on saturday an incredibly intense sort of hard you know, you know, against the wall practice on Sunday, then more of a tactical practice on Monday. So if they, this team has had a lot of rest already to date. They're about to get another week off. They had a mini break when one of the, I think the Ottawa game was postponed. And then they had another like 10 or 12 day break over the Christmas holidays. So this team at this point of the year is probably more rested and had more time off than any Predators team in the history of the franchise. I don't know what that means. 
They come back 4-2 and they beat Vancouver. They hold on to a lead at the end of the second period, which of course means they are now 22-0-1 when entering the third period with a lead. I want to ask you this. How much do you care about the inverted stat? We know how good they are at holding leads. We've talked about it. 17-0 with a lead after one. 22-0-1 with a lead after two. Here are the numbers when trailing, however. They are 2-10-1 when trailing after one, and they are 2-10 when trailing after two, which means they've only made two comebacks essentially all season at, at, at the end of the third, at the end of the second period. Uh, the, the first stat we've praised all season long and, and think it's an amazing job that they can finish games the way they do. Any concern with the other number, 2-10, and 10, or does that feel like it's about right for teams entering the third period trailing? Yeah, that's a good question. I would have to look at how other teams have performed in that in that same situation, um, which I can easily look up. Um, but the fact that they remain undefeated in regulation um, when leading after two is something to, to certainly uh, be proud of. Um, you know, one thing that one thing that did come out of last night's game that I did find to be very interesting, which is unrelated to what we're talking about, but I'll look up those numbers in a second. So as you said, the Predators are 28, 14 and four. That's the six. They reached 60 points in 46 games. And they, and according to the NHL, they've hit 60 standing points in fewer contests just four times in franchise history. So what I think is interesting is that in 2017, 18, that was the year they won the president's trophy. They reached 60 points and 44 games. And this year they reached 60 points and 46 games. So it only took them two more games to reach 60 points than it did when they won the president's trophy, which I I think is really impressive when you put it in that, when you put it in that context, um, especially considering um, what we anticipated this team to be. So now I have the leading trailing numbers up. I just want to see points percentage. Um, So you said in the second period, they're, what was their record after they, when trailing? They are two and ten when trailing after two periods. They are twenty-two zero oh, and one when leading after two periods. Okay, so the Predators have a one sixty-seven win percentage um, when when trailing after uh, when trailing after two periods, as you said, two and ten. So the leader in the clubhouse uh, this season um, in that regard is the Florida Panthers, who are six nine and one. Um, when trailing after the second period, that's a 375 win percentage. If you're looking at if you're looking at basic wins, so the Predators have two wins. Um, there are multiple teams that have two wins. There are multiple teams that have one win. So near near the bottom. Yeah. So they're you know so they're near the bottom. Um, you know Columbus, for example, has five wins when trailing after two periods, but they also have 15 losses. <laughs> so they're five and 15. When trailing after two, um, the Arizona Coyotes, for example, have four wins when trailing after two periods, but they also have 23 regulation <laughs> losses and one overtime loss. They are four, 23 and one. You know, what's it, what's more interesting to me, and this would t- require too much math, is to just add up the number of times the Predators have trailed after two periods. So just 12 times in 46 games, um, they have trailed after two That's- periods. That, that's uh, a great stat in and of itself. Right. So you're looking at other teams. I'm doing very quick math. Like Calgary has trailed 11 times um, after two periods. Um, uh, yeah. The, uh, well, you, the you, do some, light- you do some math and I'll, I'll, I'll add some commentary here. Yes. Um, the, the, what is it? 12 out of 46, you said, for the yes, National Predators? Out of 46 so, games, they have trailed after two periods. So uh, again, that, that means... So what's 34 30, divided by 46? 34 times... Um, which is a, a which is a, about seventy five percent if you're if you're doing some quick math, it, it, three out of four basically three out of four games they are either tied or have the lead going into the third period, which is a great number. That's a great that's a great position to be in. Um, there, there's no question about that. Uh, I, again, I don't you know you you mentioned the best team um, being six nine and one. Was that Florida? Is that what Florida you said? Has the Florida has the highest winning percentage. And so okay. I think that's, that's an important number is just to know where the range is the range. Like I don't expect a team to be 500 or better when trailing after two. The question is wh- where do they rank? And, and they're sort of in the bottom third, let's call it from, for Nashville. So they could be better, but they are elite. They are the best team in the NHL at 22 and one when it comes to playing with the lead. So 
again. And if you're going to have the lead 23 times <laughs> out of 46 games, literally half the time you go to the third period, you have a lead and you don't ever lose it. That's a pretty damn good recipe to, to, the to collecting had, points. The Predators last season had a 208 winning percentage when trailing after two periods, five and 19. What I find interesting is that the Predators never went to overtime last season when trailing after two periods. All 19 of their losses in that situation were regulation losses, 5-19 and 0. So the Predators, when trailing after two periods last season, never got a point when when they uh, when they entered the third period down a goal, at least. So I, I just thought we would sort of present the, the the statistics there, the data there. Obviously, more teams win when they have a lead than when they don't. That's just an obvious thing. But I wanted to sort of put it into some context for folks out there to sort of better understand where they're located within the league. I did think it was interesting in the 4-2 win over Vancouver. First of all, I thought it was a really fun game, just like the Seattle game, just you know, back and forth. It kind of built as the game went along. The last five minutes of the first period were incredibly entertaining. Uh, I will say this, the Johansson goal though, I, I found it, I was watching it like in real time going, Oh, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. And, and sure enough, the power play expires. So it does not count as a shorthanded goal, which they have of course, zero this year. Now I will, I, I, we can argue about this, but they are now 11th in the NHL in penalty kill. Remember they were down in the twenties for most of the season. They have been incredibly good at stopping special teams on, on on defense in particular over the course of the last couple of months. They're now at 82.5%. I would take a top 10 penalty kill over a team that can score goals shorthandedly. They have zero shorthanded goals on the season. They're the only team in the league to not do that. Interestingly enough, of course, Victor Arvidsson and Callie Yarncroke are second and fourth all-time in franchise history in shorthanded goals. So their two shorthanded goal guys departed the roster this offseason. So I do think that, you know, if you're in a playoff game and you take a bad penalty and you're down by one goal with like four minutes to go and you've got to sort of play offense while also killing penalties, I think that's not a good situation for this team because it doesn't feel like they've got a guy that can sort of like a yarn croak or an Arvidsson who can kind of single-handedly become that, you know, that shorthanded goal scorer. But I would take a great penalty kill over a team that scores shorthandedly all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... Certainly what's the, what's the, the, the saying often is that your, that your best penalty killer is your goaltender. Now I'd have to look up where you see sorrows ranks in the NHL and shorthanded save percentage. Um, you know, I was actually looking, um, last week, um, at, uh, the, uh, hockey viz website, um, that does a lot of heat map, uh, heat maps. And what's interesting is that the predators heat map, so to speak on the penalty kill in terms of where they're allowing the shots to be taken from is actually not that good. Like they're actually giving up a lot of shots. If I recall correctly from dangerous areas, but it certainly helps that they have uh, an excellent goaltender. Um, I'm looking right now, I'm pulling up uh, the shorthanded uh, save percentage Oh, that's even strength, same percentage. Bam, <laughs> you talk. I'll, so, think, I'll so, figure this out. Well, I mean, obviously, UC Soros, who everything in the, about this team has to be viewed through the lens of UC Soros. The penalty kill is good, UC Soros. Uh, they're winning games with the lead in the third period, UC Soros. They're, they're good in XYZ situation, UC Soros. Like, it all starts with UC Soros. There's just no question that, that he's a part of, of all of this. So even if they're giving up a bunch of bad shots and, and dangerous attempts, UC Saros is there, man. Um, again, 100th win on Tuesday, so congratulations to him. As you've mentioned before, the most used goaltender in the NHL uh, over basically what, what amounts to the last calendar year. Going back to March of last season, no one has started a greater percentage of his team's games than UC Saros. Um, and, and I think he's, like, over the course of his, like, you look at his total numbers, save percentage, you know, number of quality starts, all these sort of metrics for him over the course of his first whatever four seasons. And he's among the best goaltenders in the NHL over that span. Like, it doesn't matter what metric you put up, pull up. He's going to be near the top of the list, which we'll get to Vez in the conversation in a second. But so the predator, uh, is that so, enough vamping for you? Yes, it is. Among goaltenders with at least 10 appearances this season, Soros is 11th um, in save percentage with his team shorthanded at 898. Um, Ville Husso, uh, the St. Louis goaltender who's had an excellent start to his season, <laughs> has a 938 save percentage, uh, shorthanded. 
Um, so yeah, Soros 11th in the league among goaltenders with 10 appearances with an 898 save percentage. What's, what's his um, problem, Adam? Why, why, what's, what's his problem? I have no idea. You tell me, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is amazing to look at, you know, UC Soros, you know, of course he was not used as frequently as other goaltenders up until last season. Um, other starting goaltenders because of course he didn't really become a starting goaltender uh, until last season. But when you look at his numbers since he was in the league full time, you know, it's really impressive, you know, where he is. Um, But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find those numbers while you continue. (laughs) Well, I want to throw some team stats out here before we take a quick break. Uh, Their power play is still seventh in the NHL. So, Adam, since you're not tweeting about the Preds over the next month, no Simpsons gifts, 25.2%, 7th in the NHL in power play. They are 11th in the NHL in penalty kill. They are 13th in the league in scoring 3.1 goals per game, and they are 8th in the league in goals against. So they have a top 10 power play, a top 10 defense. They are top 13 in penalty killing and scoring. You've got four guys that can win an award. We've talked about that. We are going to talk about their Stanley Cup odds here going way up over the course of the next the last month. Uh, this is a top 10 hockey team. Th- that's it. End of discussion. <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're an upper third top 10 hockey team in the NHL. And if they can finish the season that way, they've got a chance to, to make a run just like everybody else does. So since 2016-17, which was Soros's first full season in the NHL through now, among goaltenders who have started at least 50 games over that span, which is a small number, but I, I, I thought it was a good round number. He is second in the league in save percentage over those five, six seasons at 922, Igor Shesterkin of the New York Rangers, who has played far fewer games uh, than, than Saros is first at 927 um, among goaltenders among, excuse me, against goals against average. He is tied for sixth with Andre Vasilevsky, Tukarask, Ben Bishop, Jack Campbell, Igor Shesterkin, Peter Budai, you know, who's not in the league anymore, but he's sure. back of course. Andre Vasilevsky and UC Saros. So, you know, I think that's, you know, so although uh, Soros has started 100, more than 100 fewer games over that span than Andre Vasilevsky, they have identical say, identical goals against averages, and Soros has a 922 and Vasilevsky has a 921. And this concludes your weekly um, celebration of UC Soros, UC Soros. <laughs> yeah. on, on the pod. Uh, all right, we've got some fancy stats, some personal awards odds, and some Stanley Cup odds and expectations for you coming up here on the show. We'll talk some all-star game as well. So don't go anywhere. When we come back, Stanley cup odds and some fancy stats for your national predators right here on the gold standard. The gold standard, Adam Bingen of the athletic pay for good journalism is in fact brought to you by Jaspers eat fresh. plagiarism it's cool uh go to jasper's the parking's free the food's great adam you have a lot of time off how many times can people find you wandering the halls of jasper's over the course of the next five or six weeks well i would hope that they would be eating and not wandering well you never know i'd like to think i'd be sitting down and having a nice meal with my family and not wandering what if you're what if you're going table to table greeting people because you're so alone and have been at home for five weeks that you're just, you need personal contact with other people at Jasper's. If I have a couple gold standard cocktails, I might be wondering, um, <laughs> would be pleasant for those who I would interact with probably. What, what does, in, what does inebriated Adam Vingan do? What, what happens when Adam Vingan? I'm, I'm even, I'm even more, I, I, you know, it's been a long time since I've been like, like, honestly, it's been a long time since I've been drunk because I don't drink a whole lot, but in my experience, I'm just, nice like i'm even more i'm even nicer than i like to think that i usually am <laughs> you're not you're not a particularly nice person yes i am <laughs> you 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 are um you're not grouchy or gr- like grumpy you're you're a happy person but you you know you like you like your space you know you don't like people you don't like when jason fitz runs up and hugs you in the middle of an elevator you know you don't want you know you're not a touchy feely guy you know and so some people might think that that you know, represents a, a certain personality type. I, I'm I am way more cynical than you are, but I'm more outgoing and and chatty than than you are. Um, so I would like to see an inebriated Adam. Here's my question. Uh, go to Jasper's, by the way. 
Here's a question for you about uh, drinking. Did you not have at any point during the first trimester when Arlo was still in utero? Did you have a did you have that like normal first time parent dad thing where you just you you had one too many on like a Friday night because you're just the weight of becoming a father was just so intense. You had of a designated driver. Like, did that ever happen at any point? Because that every one of my friends, almost all of us, myself included, had like that one night where I just got a little out of control. I might have had one too many because my wife can drive me home and because uh, I'm stressed out because I'm becoming a parent. I did not have any of those moments. But the difference, of course, being that you're you uh, became a dad not during a pandemic. That's that's a, that's a, so, a valid so, point. So there's less there was less going out. Um, <laughs> that's true. I will say that I I you know, I, though I do not, I, I'm not a big drinker. I do enjoy the gold standard cocktail. I do like to have a cocktail every once in a while when I relax. I will admit that a couple of years ago, my wife and I went on a, on a vacation with my parents. We went to Bermuda and I will just say this. I enjoyed virgin pina coladas a lot more than alcoholic pina coladas. Lame. But there are, because it's basically like a pineapple slurpee. That, but but that, uh, That's like a fruity milkshake that just is calories and sugar. I don't care. I was on vacation. Um, so go to Jasper. No, I did not. I did not have any of those moments. Um, go to okay. Jasper's where they will not judge you if you want to drink virgin pina coladas. Go to Jasper's where they will not judge you if you drink virgin pina coladas. And they will not judge you if you have an extra cocktail during your wife's first trimester. Go to Jasper's, everybody. The food remember, great. remember, we we did have this whole thing a few months ago where we were, you know, I, I famously you know, went to Jasper's after Arlo was born to get Bridget a meal. And I believe we had a listener tweet us that he also went to Jasper's to get his wife a meal after the birth of their child. That's true. So that sort of became the thing. It's like Jasper's, your wife's first meal after a terrible pregnancy experience. Jasper's, the place for you to go get nervous drunk when you're becoming a parent. See, look at all these great taglines we're writing. Yeah. Go to Jasper's, yeah. everybody. All right, Adam, uh, let's get to some Stanley Cup odds here. we got some fancy stats as well. And I thought this was interesting that and I think this is is this bet US, I think, uh, according is, to. It, so it is it is bet on like I guess. So we in the NHL, I don't know if this happens in other in other leagues. I'm sure it does. So you had you had Jeff Perlman on the Lamestream podcast a few weeks ago. And did he tell his sports by Brooks story he on did. that podcast? He did. So. So we NHL types get these emails from a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Shapiro. Like none of us know who Jimmy Shapiro is. <laughs> I'm, I'm not convinced he's at, like, I would love to know who, like maybe I need to do a Jeff Perlman style sports by Brooks story where I try to track down Jimmy Shapiro because we like to, we like, we, we NHL reporters like to joke about getting emails from Jimmy Shapiro. I have this idea of what he looks like. I think he looks like, um, God, what was the character in The Sopranos? Um, uh, Jimmy Altieri, for those of you who watch The Sopranos, like this big, okay. fat, this big, fat Italian guy. Maybe it's a terrible stereotype, <laughs> but I just have this idea of of Jimmy Shapiro looking like, you know, like a captain in the Soprano crime family. Um, but he works for Bet Online, um, and he always likes to send us awards, odds, and and prop bets and all this stuff. So. It was February 1st on Tuesday, so like clockwork, we got an email from Jimmy Shapiro um, with updated odds for the Stanley Cup, the conferences, divisions, and NHL awards. So what's interesting is they broke it down. Um, you break it down month by month, and each day at the start of each month, they sort of set new odds to win the Stanley Cup. And the Nashville Predators, here's do you, do you have the uh, preseason like in July? Yes, um, I do. So the first the first odds that they released were on July 8th. So this was, you know, shortly before NHL free agency, if I recall the date correctly. So the Predators on July 8th, 2021 had 40 to one odds, according to Bet Online, to win the Stanley Cup. So wait, say that again, 40. They had they had 40 to one odds on July 8th. That was before I. I think that was after I think that was after they traded Victor Arvidsson 
but before they traded Ryan Ellis. E- either way, July. And the retirement of Pecker. In the retirement yeah, of Pecker. E- either way, July. I didn't really include the July numbers, but I wanted yeah. to use them as a reference point because yeah. that's... They were 40 the te- to 1. The teams the really aren't the teams. but So at, at the start of October, which I found interesting, at the start October of October, 12. the Nashville Predators were 80 to 1. Um, on November 1st, they were still 80 to 1. On December 1st, they had gone up to 60 to 1. On January 3rd, which again just off, which is a Monday, they moved up to 40 to 1 odds. And on February 1st, this week, they are now 28 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. Now, I do not think it's a good bet. 80 to 1, maybe that's a good bet. You're trying to find value when you place futures bets. But it does show you the gradual respect that has been gained by this particular franchise. Now, let me throw out a couple of other nuggets here. Only eight total teams uh, have gone up since that start of the season. So the Kings, the the Capitals, the Blues, um, Calgary, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Florida. All of the, along with Nashville, nine teams have increased their Stanley Cup championship odds since the beginning of the season. However, only two teams have gone up Every single month or stayed the same, meaning they have not gone down at any point during the year. The only two teams in the NHL that have only gone up in their Stanley Cup championship odds are, that's right, you guessed it, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Nashville Predators. Those are the only two teams that have not seen their odds decrease at any point during the calendar year. Now, I don't know what that means because Vegas is about trying to acquire dollars on both sides of wagers to create an opportunity for the house to win. It doesn't necessarily mean much. It just means that people were gambling on Nashville to win the cup at 80 to one and 60 to one. So they've had to increase the odds because people like those bets. I'm assuming that number will stay probably around 28, 30 to one for the rest of the year, but it does show you the respect that gamblers have for the Nashville predators or that they've gained over the last couple of months. So I'm not, I'm not a betting man. So when you look at these, updated numbers. What's a good value bet? By the way, the favorite is the Colorado Avalanche, of course, with 17 to 4 odds of winning the Stanley Cup, followed by the Florida Panthers at 7 to 1. So if you were, because I know you're more into this than I am, if you were placing a wager on one of these teams based on the odds on February 1st, what's a good value bet in your opinion to win the Stanley Cup? Um That is a great question. Um, let me see here as I'm, are the predators not a good, it's 28. I, I don't, I, it, I don't particularly think so. If you could get them, you know, if you got them at 60 to one or 80 to one, that's really good value. Um, I, I, you know, that's there a tough, there doesn't really seem to be one because you look at some of the other teams, like, you know, St. Louis, you know, St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis is 25 to one. Um, the like who who of these teams that are behind Nashville because Nashville is about like 13th or 14th in the odds to win the cup um they're basically tied with the Oilers um the teams behind Nashville that you think could make a run that's what you have to look at and I you know is it Winnipeg maybe what's Winnipeg 75 to one I mean like that Connor Hellebuck is an excellent goaltender and we know how great how far excellent goaltending can get you. The Predators are basically in the same boat with UC Saros. Um, you know, that's, that's an interesting one. They're at the, you know, they're they're I don't know where they are in the standings, but they're going to need a little bit of a run to even make the playoffs. Right. Um, so, you know, that might be hard. I'm look, you know, we talked about this last week. We talked about how basically the Eastern conference playoff teams have already been decided. Um, I mean, you know, Washington, I, I think Washington's an interesting bet at 25 to one. Okay. Just because we know Laviolette's done very well in the playoffs and they've got superstar talent, right? So I think that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a team that has upside, that has a built like again, Edmonton has so many problems in the postseason. I that would be a team from a skill standpoint that I could put a bet on. You know, Pittsburgh they have to, they have to rebound and make the playoffs. Right, exactly. Pittsburgh and Boston, because of history, track record, success, talent, skill they're not your top five or six teams to win the cup. So they're sort of in that next tier. That's where I think you try to look is try to find value with teams that you think can win the whole thing. And in the NHL, there are probably more 
than there are in any other sport because we've seen eight seeds make these runs. So the key is like, uh, now what I do to make the case for Nashville, to your point, number one, they are behind St. Louis significantly, behind Minnesota and behind Colorado significantly in terms of value on winning the whole thing. But we know how good their goaltender is. (laughs) So I think the argument for Nashville is, all right, you're getting sort of middle of the pack odds. You're not getting, you know, 10 to one or 12 to one. You're getting better value than that. And if UC Saros gets hot, could they go on a run? I think that's the sort of stuff you look at when you're trying to place a bet like this. Okay. So we do have other odds. We'll, we'll skip the conference odds and division odds. I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm, yeah, I didn't even look, I didn't even write that. So, <laughs> so the hard trophy odds, interestingly enough, no predators on that list. So let's get, let's start with the, the Vez and the odds. So, so, so let, let me, let me set it up for you here. Um, all right. So start with, we'll go in order after in the email. Let, let's go. Uh, so is it, let's start with Vesna then. Um, yes. UC Saros fourth in the NHL at eight to one. I actually think that's pretty decent value. So if I was placing a bet at fourth, I think he should finish in the top three. If they voted right now today, I feel it would. I feel like it would be a slap in the face if he was not top two or three in the voting. If it happened today, I think Frederick Anderson at fourteen to one, which is actually lower than than he had the previous month. He was twelve to one. Now he's fourteen to one for Carolina. He's had a really great season. I, I think fourteen to one. I don't think he'll win. Okay, um, but I think fourteen to one is actually um, pretty good value considering how good of a season Freddie Anderson has had. But as you said, Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers is the favorite at three to two. Um, Andre Vasilevsky and Jack Campbell of Tampa and, and Toronto respectively tied for second at 11 to two UC Soros at eight to one. And then Freddie Anderson at 14 to one. Soros started at 40 to one. He is now down to eight to one. So now he is five times more likely to win the award according to Vegas. So there is that. Um, the Calder Trophy Award. Um, Tanner Janot in De- in October, off the board. In November, off the board. In December, off the board. In January, off the board. He jumps onto the board for the first time in February, and he clocks in at fourth place at 12-1. to 1. Again, the- I was looking at his numbers just now, he is second on the Preds in even strength goals at 13. He is not getting any of his time on the power play, as you pointed out before. Also, he's the number one penalty kill team. I'm sorry. Like, if 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 this is an award for truly the most well-rounded rookie, I I I'm not being a homer here, but I think it's I I my vote would be for Tanner Janot because I think of what the situational hockey that he has to play. And the number of things that he does well for his team, it's not just scoring goals and, and points. And so, again, fourth place, 12 to 1. Your thoughts? Well, I don't know how you read these odds. So Trevor Zegris of the Anaheim Ducks is the, is the overwhelming favorite at 11 to 10. So what does that mean, 11 to 10? Ba- basically 1 to 1, essentially. It's 1 to 1. So- I mean, he, you know, he had that, that amazing pass earlier in the season to Sonny Milano. I believe he actually just scored a Michigan goal against the Montreal Canadiens. He did not make the all-star team, but he's going to the all-star game to participate in the breakaway challenge. We'll talk about the, the all-star game here in a minute. Um, 11 to 10 odds. So he is the overwhelming favorite. Two, um, two to Luke, one, though, with Lucas Raymond is basically the same. So yes. those two those two guys are very even at the top of this race. And then, yeah. and then uh, of course, uh, uh, Sater there at five to one. So yeah. the top three are clearly a, a cut above right now. So, right. You know, so, you know, I, I, I do vote on the Calder trophy and, you know, I, 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 as of now would have Tanner, Janot as a finalist. Um, um, I, especially with the way he's been playing. And, and like you said, um, I, I think when you consider the situational play and the numbers he has, despite a lack of what you would call favorable, deployment um i think really you know really you know lends well to his case i just think that zegris is um the saturation of trevor trevor zegris if you could call it that i, I think might be too over it's going to be too difficult for anyone to overcome the, the, expo- Let, you know, the exposure yeah the expo yeah. yeah the exposure the exposure or the exposure of trevor zegris is going to be i believe too much to overcome you know i i think 11 to 10 makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, and I think if Janot can continue to score at this clip, I think, you know, I think Cider has had a really strong season. 
uh, for the Red Wings, as well as Lucas Raymond. I think if Janot continues to play at this pace, I think he could overtake one of those two uh, okay. Red Wings players and become a finalist. Um, so the, the, yeah. the Norris trophy award, you've got uh Cole McCarr there at number one, 10 to 11 odds, which is crazy. Cause you have to put more money down to that's what that means. Victor Hedman at 13 to four. So right around three to one Adam Fox uh, as well. Um, right around that same number. And then Roman Yossi fourth place at 10 to one odds to win the Norris trophy. I, I would, my instinct is to say that's a pretty de- decent value bet because Yossi can go on an absolute tear and carry a team. But I just don't think anyone's going to get past the young Colorado defenseman. If I, if I was really, truly like, I feel like to your point about the exposure of Zegras, I think that's, we've seen so many highlights and they're the best team in the NHL. They're the favorite to win the whole thing. They're going to run away with the division. I think it's going to be hard to beat Cole from Colorado. So if you have Kale McCarr, so Kale McCarr has odds. Kale, 10 sorry. 11, sorry. Kale McCarr, Kale Cole, you know. Kale McCarr is 10 to 11 odds. So that means if I put down $10 on Kale McCarr, how much do I win? Uh, it's 10, like you win less than $10. That seems like a stupid thing to do. Um, well, that's, that's why they have to do it like that though. Yeah. So because he's, because he's such a heavy favorite basically. Right. So uh, McCarr at 10 to 11, Hedman at 13 to four, Fox at 19 to four. Fox has gone from three to one to 19 to four. Um, Yossi has gone from 12 to one to 10 to one over the past month. Um, here's what I think is going to happen. Here, here's a good value bet. I don't think he would win, but Devon Taves of the Colorado Avalanche at 25 to one. I, I think those could be, those are pretty, you know, he's had a really good season. He's well, not, but you have, you have to win it though, to, 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 to cash, true. to cash the bet. So it's not close. It's not who's going to get close, but, but you're right yeah. though, to try to find value. Um, right. and, and we'll get to, um, We'll get to Adams here too. As as Mike Sullivan is your favorite, I think, I think Yossi at ten to one is a pretty I, good value. I, would I agree. agree. I totally, I totally agree. Especially totally if he jumps, especially if he jumps Fox, and and the Preds go on a tear, and he, you know, we've seen him carry the team before. Um, Mike Sullivan at six to one for Coach of the Year, the Jack Adams Award. John Hines tied for second with Rod Brindamore at seven to one. So let's focus on those three. Uh, here's the thing: all this conversation, I think they're all very worthy. I think Soros might be the most worthy of all of them to actually win the award. I, I don't believe that there anybody's going to win the trophy. I mean, I don't think any of these Predators players or coaches are going to win an award. I, I just, for some reason, I think that they could have four finalists and go 0 for 4 in theory. Um, because again, I think there's a rookie and a defenseman who are sort of separating themselves from everybody else. You know, I think Heinz deserves it. I think Soros deserves it. I don't know if they're going to get the votes. So Mike Sullivan at 6-1. to one, And look, the Penguins have been unbelievable lately and whenever whenever the penguins seem to have major injuries malkin missed a significant amount of time this season um among others they they seem to just find some random dude we you know in in nhl twitter it's called they refer to it as mark donk like (laughs) m-a-r-k space d-o-n-k i can't remember who made that joke originally but it was made a few years ago about how you know the penguins get all these injuries then they just throw some guy named mark donk who of course is not a real person into the lineup and he's like a you know a 20 goal scorer um so sullivan you know is a fabulous coach um you know rod brendamore has the hurricanes humming again just as he did last season um i think andrew burnett at 15 to 2 um is a pretty i would say is a good value um, you know, of course the Panthers, you know, started the season, uh, with Joel Quenville who resigned from his position in the wake of the Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. Andrew Burnett came in. Um, I do not believe at the time he had any head coaching experience at any level, um, and has the Panthers playing an exceptional hockey. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I would, I would, I would lay some money down on Andrew Burnett to be honest with you at, at 15, at 15 to two. See, look at you. Um, you're, you're you're starting to grab value and understand the concept. Yeah, Dean, Everson, Dean Everson is twenty to one. I, I think if the I mean, the problem is that the you know the Wild are not going to catch the Avalanche most likely. Like if the Wild were to catch the Avalanche and win the Central Division, I think Everson would have a really good shot. And I believe it was a finalist last season. Well, but they but the problem is that Minnesota, by some, was picked to finish second in the right. division. I do and, think it's interesting that Jared, you know, Jared Bednar, who is the head coach of the Avalanche, has fourteen to one odds. Oftentimes when, you know, first of all, the NHL Broadcasters Association votes on the Jack Adams. So locally, I would have to imagine that like Willie Donick has a vote, maybe Pete Weber. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure exactly. Um, But um, 
it's often the, the criteria often for voters is okay. Who's coaching a team that to, who is coaching a team that is overachieving. Yep. And absolutely. You know, the penguins, you know, have been a good team for a long time. You know, they're playing really well, you know, the, the, you know, so maybe I would say they're not, they're overachieving a little bit, but I wouldn't say to a significant degree, the, the, the hurricanes are playing as well as they did last season. You know, the predators yeah, I, are clearly overachieving. I, 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 I think, I think, I think, I think, I think Heinz and Soros have the best case. Yeah. To win their awards. I think Tanner Janot has a very good case, but I don't believe that voters are going to dive into the deep stati- fancy stats on him. Knock on knock on wood. I feel like the only chance Trevor Zegers has of not winning the award is if he gets injured. Yeah. And we don't. And even, and even then, I think like even then, I still think he would have a good case to win, even if he wasn't playing. But I think as long as he as long as he stays healthy. I, I think you can basically shine out that award for Trevor's egress. Right. And so I don't think he's got a chance. And I don't think Yossi, maybe he's got an outside shot, but I don't think Yossi can do it either, even if he's deserving. I think what's interesting about Tanner Janot is that we had this conversation briefly last year about Ellie Tolvanen and sort of the pace he was on, especially before the injury on the power play and stuff. And I think Tanner Janot is a far more worthy candidate. <laughs> so uh, it's just fascinating to have two potential Calder Trophy type of rookies in back-to-back seasons for this team. It's it's a testament to, to what the how the job that Carl Taylor and the admirals and the entire staff have done sort of developing these guys. Um, all right. So I, I want to throw some fancy stats out there to you before we get to the all-star game and wrap up the episode to this week uh, and say goodbye to Adam for a couple of weeks. Um, fancy stats. And this is this was on uh, you mentioned this last week that the Bally Sports broadcast, Willie and Chris Mason in particular, they like to bring a lot of these stats into the broadcast as they can, as much as they can to try to make it digestible and accessible. Uh, on this show, we try to do it a little bit deeper because, you know, you guys are diehards when you're listening. Um, but I, I did see this graphic during the game and I wrote it down real quickly. I paused it. I went back and I was like, I need to write that down because um, I think it's from Sport Logic as well, which obviously you're a big fan of. But it, these three stats to me define the John Hines identity. And it's why I wrote it down because I wanted to just run it past you. They are fourth in the NHL in winning puck battles. Mm-hmm. They are fourth in the NHL in even strength for check success, whatever that means. Hmm. And they are fifth in the NHL in offensive zone takeaways. I, I don't think you could put three stats next to each other and say, define the John Hines new identity for Nashville Predators hockey better than those three stats back to back to back. My guess is, and I, I would have to ask for logic this. You said for check success. My, yes. yeah. my, my guess is that um, do do that's the the rate that the predators are able to dislodge the puck from the opposition while on the forecheck, which might play into the takeaways as well. That's just a guess. I would have to ask for logic exactly how they define that. But my guess would be the success rate of getting it on the forecheck and turning the puck over. It, or or it could be um, time spent in the offensive zone, right? Like if you dump the puck that's in. A but if you dump, what I'm saying is if you dump the puck in and it's in the zone for longer than 15 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds, like you could define that as a successful four check. I'm just, I'm just saying sort of, they have an actual definition, of course, that they use to define that. And maybe it, it does, maybe you're right. It's, it's, I, I'm just saying, I'm just thinking like vaguely, how would I describe a four, a successful four check? And to me, that's dumping the puck in and keeping it in the zone, right? Yes. So whatever that means, whether it's a takeaway, whether you're intercepting a pass, whether you're winning a puck battle, you know, whatever it might be, I think all of those things work together to just say, look, we, we put it in the zone, we go get it and we stay there. <laughs> and that to me is the Heinz 200 foot identity. Yeah. So they, yeah, I, I, maybe when I get back, I'll, I'll ask about what, you know, for checking success. Um, but I, my guess would be that it has something to do with the ability to recover the puck on the four check. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I just, you know me, I got to, I do want to do before we go I, you know, so the NHL all-star game is this weekend. We know that UC oh. Soros is going to be a part of it. Hang, hang on, hang on. I want to talk all-star game. I want, I had one more bet. I wanted to, I placed last night and I okay. wanted to, I wanted to ask you about it. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, I placed this best, this bet last night. All right. And this is um, number one. It is a smart gambling value proposition that you can learn from and number two it is a very deep insight into me personally the sports fan and how my brain works about my favorite sports teams okay all right plus 600 the nashville predators to miss the playoffs i put five bucks on it last night 
plus so 600. What, so what does that mean if you win? Like, like, 40, like 40 bucks. It's like, it's like eight to one odds, basically. Something like that. Um, I'll so win like $5 to win 40. Yep, exactly. To miss so, the playoffs. And what it does is it shows you how I gamble on my favorite teams. I'm a Packers fan. I had the Niners plus six two weekends ago. I, I was rooting for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I put money on the Buccaneers. I was rooting for Gonzaga in the national title game. I put money on Baylor. It, it, those aren't my favorite teams, but when I have a rooting interest, I tend to gamble the other way so that I win either way. And so I put money on the Preds to miss the playoffs, five bucks, and I will gladly give up that $5 if it means they make the playoffs. And if they miss the playoffs, my devastation will be soothed by my $40 winnings that will pay for all of my hockey bets for the entire season, basically. Hmm. All right. Well, what do you think? I, I th- it's, it sounds savvy. I think you're going <laughs> to, I think you're going to lose that money. That's fine. Uh, it's totally but, fine. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. Back to the all-star game. All-star game. <laughs> uh, so, so the all-star game this season is in Las Vegas. And we talked, I think, we think it was last week. We talked about how the three on three has become a bit stale. Um, I want to highlight specifically two skills competitions that the NHL is doing in Las Vegas, which sound part of my French here, fucking awesome. And <laughs> the first one is the fountain face-off. And this is how it's described by the NHL. Competition takes place on the iconic Bellagio fountains. Players will travel by boat to the rink, in quotations, and are required (laughs) to successfully shoot pucks into five targets in the least amount of time. Qualifying players move to the head-to-head final. Fountain spray and the breeze off the strip will add to the challenge of of this unprecedented NHL All-Star skills event. So that's that's awesome. Like, I think the fact, like, the NHL should take more, (laughs) should take more, um, I'll, I'll, uh, so like, if you're in Denver, here's an idea. So if you're in Denver, and the all-star games in Denver, you put guys up on top of like a, like a giant mountain and they have to shoot pucks down like a 2000 foot drop on, on, and see if they can land on like a big target, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think um, a couple years ago, I think it was when the all-star game was in St. Louis, they had some sort of like top, like top golf type event in the arena where players were shooting from like the middle Congo, the mezzanine, and they were trying to land the pocket, like, you know, on little net. I don't know, whatever. What, what about was- on Broadway? What about on lower Broadway? You start up at fifth and broad. You're at the light at the crosswalk at fifth and broad. And you have to, it's like a long drive competition. How far can you get the puck to the river? How, how, fa- close, how, how far how on, close- on Broadway? How far can you get it down the river? See, now we're talking how- creativity. How close can you get a puck to a passed out drunk person on lower broad? <laughs> no, you have to, you have to avoid all of the, the people stumbling out of kid rocks bar. Hmm. You have to get it through the, you have to get it through the traffic, you know? Yes. So that's a really cool event. I think this one's even cooler. Tell me if you agree. It's called the NHL 21 and 22. So this is how the NHL um, describes it. Shutting down part of Las Vegas Boulevard to hang a full deck of oversized cards on a rack. Plus puts a new twist on street hockey. 21 and 22 is a game of chance strategy and skill. The object of the game is to achieve a hand of 21 without going bust in the least number of shots. So, so blackjack and hockey mixed with like, uh, like a reality TV show. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like, I guess, you know, if you want to, if you want to win, you got to aim for the ACE and you got to aim for the, the Jack or whatever, and, and try to get 21 in the fewest amount of shots. That's, uh, that's interesting. that sounds like fun. It sounds like a real world road, road rules challenge mixed with gambling in a casino and hockey all at the same time. Yes. And of course same they thing. have the other, the other typical, um, Skills events, the fastest skater, the save streak, the hardest shot, the breakaway challenge, the accuracy shooting. Here's know, a question for you. Here's a question for you. And I, we t- this goes on what we talked about last week with Philip Forsberg and being 23 miles an hour. I would love to see a race between one of the NHL's fastest players and like, in this case, it's Vegas. So maybe like one of the Las Vegas Raiders, like one of the fastest players on the Raiders comes out. And they, they, they put a hundred yards or a hundred meter track down that's ice on one side and like track on the other. And we see what a race looks like. Give me Kale McCarr versus like Josh Jacobs in a race. I was going to say Josh Jacobs, but he's, he, I, I, like, I don't think of Josh Jacobs as like a, no, he's not a burner running. Well, the, the fastest, the problem is the fastest player on that team, like killed a person. So like we can't use, yes. and they're not so the, so the, so ESPN, so there's that. 
Yes, ESPN broke the news of the participants in the fastest skater competition. Um, Kyle Connor of Winnipeg, Adrian Kempe of Los Angeles, Chris Kreider of the Rangers, Evgeny Kuznetsov of Washington, Jordan Cairo of St. Louis, Dylan Larkin of Detroit, Kale McCarr, and Connor McDavid. Like, give me Connor McDavid versus Derrick Henry in a race. Mm. Like, next side by side, next to each other, like best two out of three or something. And I, I want to actually see where people are faster running, where people are faster skating. Because I think skating is faster at the tail end, and I think running is faster at the beginning. But I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And you could sort of like create those like, uh, like, uh, the overlays. Synthetic, <laughs> like the synthetic ice track <laughs> right, like, right. And, and, and have it go around like a track and then have, have the running back, you know, run on the track or on the grass or what have you. So, um, I I'm going to still tune in. I'm going to watch cause I still enjoy the three on three. That's not stale for me because it's so short so easily, easily digestible. Um, but I do like the idea that they're doing some other unique stuff, of course, around the event and Vegas being the biggest show, you know, the biggest show town in America or in the world, like you got to do it. So it's good stuff. I'm, I'm glad that they're being creative and doing some fun stuff. Yes. All right. I might tune in for that. I might watch the, 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 the part on the Bellagio fountains for sure. So Adam Vingan, uh, by the way, Terrence Arthur Crisp going to be our guest on Lamestream Sports this week. So that's Ooh. coming up on Friday. Damn. So you Preds fans are going to like that. We're going to have a long conversation with him about his entire post-coaching career here in Nashville, dating back to teaching people about offsides, to being on TV, to you know being in the booth and like a million things. So I just can't wait to talk with him. He's just one of the best guys. So um, you look forward to that interview coming out on Friday on Lamestream. Adam, you will be taking a sabbatical, as you've already mentioned, five or six weeks here off from the pod. Jeremy K. Gover will step in. We do appreciate him. And uh, obviously, um, enjoy yourself. Enjoy some time. Take a few breathers. Be present with your kid. Spend some time with the fam. You know, support the wife, all that great stuff, which I know you're doing. So uh, enjoy the, the disconnect, if you will. I'll only bother you a little bit. How about that? <laughs> okay, sounds good. And, you know, uh, like I said, Jeremy does a great job to, to borrow a phrase from one Terry crisp. He brings the passion. Jeremy does. So it'll be a, it'll be a good, it'll be a good fill in uh, for me. And uh, I look forward to uh, listening at some point. Fecal agitator as crispy likes to say. Um, so th thank you uh, for everybody out there listening, share the show, share the product, tell everybody about the show. We are entering crunch time here. Of course, trade deadline just five or six weeks away, and then the playoffs after that. So Adam will be back for all of that, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we do appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Um, Gold Standard, Adam Vingen, is brought to you by, the last time you have to say this for a couple of weeks. It's brought to you by Jaspers, the fine folks at Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar. Jaspers, it's what's for dinner. Go to or Jaspers. lunch or brunch. Yeah, that's true. Or cocktail hour. Uh, or happy hours during Preds games. Drink a gold, go, drink a gold standard cocktail. Take a picture of it. Tag them in it. Tweet us, Instagram, Facebook, all that great stuff. You can do all that uh, there as well. Bother Adam on the Twitters at Adam Bingen. Pay for good journalism at the Athletic. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.